Alright, whenever you're ready here. Ron, what's up, man? How much? Long time. Welcome back to Chit Chat with Chitty MD. I'm Jerry Chittister, and this is my co-host. Ron Nichols. Ron Nichols. We were just talking. The last time we did one of these episodes was back in April at my grand opening. Is that when it was? Yeah, it was like April 22nd, I believe, because we had Lee and Randy on my in-laws. We were talking well, I know. I, yeah, I can't remember. Like, It was right around the grand opening. I, it was for the grand opening we like filmed, right but before. I don't remember. Yeah, we filmed it the week or so Either before. way, it, was, it feels like a whole coronavirus it's ago. Been, <laughs> yeah, speaking of corona, that's been, it's been wild. Crazy. It's throwing everything off. Yeah. How's it been for your job that you obviously aside from this, so how's it been for your work? I had uh I had gotten transferred to a work from home position like about a month before everybody went to lockdown. So my whole company went to work from home once the COVID thing happened anyways. Uh luckily we have kind of the technologies and structure to do that. Um, but I was already work from home. So even when COVID is kind of eased up because we have vaccines or, or whatever, then uh, and people go back to the office, I'll still be at home. Yeah. So it's nice because now I can work from anywhere. I can live in the Philippines if I want and work. <laughs> you know, so. That's good. I, I can't do that. I don't have that luxury, unfortunately. I can't operate from the Philippines. One day we'll have robots where you can do virtual yeah, surgery. Like you sit on your couch and <laughs> make the robot do the work. Yeah, it probably will happen. It's going to be a few decades. But, you know, I mean, they do have some of that stuff. But I mean, because of robotics and stuff. But anyway, well, today's episode, we Ron and I had been kind of talking about some ideas of what we wanted to come back and talk about because it's been a while. And what I wanted to talk about was actually, you know, during... COVID-19 or coronavirus when it first hit us here in the U.S. And, remember, and especially in Utah, I remember it was like March it was like 17th or right around was there. At, I think March 17th was, was the day Rudy Gobert tested yeah. positive in the NBA and the NBA shut, shut down, down that night. And that was like the first milestone thing that mm-hmm. America kind of took yeah. stock of the problem. And they're like, okay, the NBA is shutting shut down. down. Let's everybody reevaluate yeah. our business. And it really did kind of hit. I mean, it started in Utah because of Gobert. Yeah, even though they don't know where he y- yeah. got it from. Because I guess there was a but, kid in Boston mm. that had it that he had signed an That's autograph right. for. So they never so concluded whether he got it yeah. from that kid or somewhere else. But but at that point, that's when it just was like wildfire here. And thing. I was at a play that night uh, with Dear Evan Hansen downtown. And I remember I saw that information coming through at like you know, the intermission of the show. And I looked at Mindy and we're sitting in this play. And I'm like, should we leave? Like, should we just get out of here? Because you start hearing everybody coughing, you know? And this was so early on. People were still buying toilet paper because they didn't know what it was. Yeah. And we stayed. And the next day, they shut down all the plays. So that was the last night they performed that play at That's Eccles. Crazy. Everything shut down. That's when everything just started closing down. I was, uh, uh, I was in California the first week of February. And so at that point, um, I think Washington was, because like Washington was the first epicenter for the U.S., outside of mainland China and, and some of the Asian countries there. But um, I had already started thinking about it at the beginning of February. I, so I was in California. My cousin works for Disneyland. I, I was with him at dinner. I'm like, have you guys like had any conversations yet as a company? Like, are you going to take extra screening precautions? What, what are you guys doing? And in the middle of, or beginning of February, they weren't even considering anything yet. And like, I felt like 
if we would have all been more cognizant of it that early, you know, maybe we wouldn't be seeing some of the levels that we've seen so far. But yeah. it was uh, it's crazy how it just beginning of February, you know about it, but nobody's really thinking too much yeah. about it. Then NBA thing happens in middle of March. And since then, it's just been. Yeah. And then everything kind of start opening up around Memorial Day and then Fourth of July. And obviously now we know what's going on. And I feel like had this happened, like you put that NBA instance, if that had happened at end of October or beginning of November, I don't think we would have had felt such a need to open up the way we did. But summer was coming and people were just like, I'm not going to stay inside. Like it's one, you feel a little safer when you're outside, right? Like just Mm. naturally you feel safer, whether it's true or not. And so with summer coming, people at beaches and camping and hiking, like you just felt like I can't stay indoors anymore. Mm -hmm. But had this happened in the winter, I think maybe people would have been able to tolerate staying indoors a little longer. Well, I think we're going to see. I mean, the concern (laughs) is I think there's, you know, yeah. the way things are going now, it's, it still is going to be going on. And, you know, again, like you mentioned, vaccine, um, all these things are in the works and they're in these phase trials to get it out, but it's going to take time so they find something that's viable. Um, anyway, so that's obviously going on with life. This is journaling what's happening this year in 2020. Um, you know, the other thing, too, if you're not from Utah, right at that same week, we had a, a pretty large earthquake for us. What was it 5.7 oh, yeah. or... 5.9 or what was it? I think, it's, I think it was revised to a 5.7. Yeah. But it was... That was wild. I've been here 23 <laughs> years, and it was the largest quake I've felt since I've been here. Yeah. It's bigger than I ever felt in California. I was in California for seven years, so I didn't feel anything that yeah, big. there haven't been too many big... Like, California has had a couple, but mm-hmm. here and there, it's just... Yeah, it's, yeah but that's... So it was like it was wild. this it was this multiplying effect. Yeah, right. it was what like is okay, happening? we have a pandemic now. We have an earthquake. Like it was felt like end of days, yeah, especially here. Yeah, it got wild, but we've survived it. And so this is what I wanted to talk about today was social media, um, especially in plastic surgery and in my practice, and kind of how we navigated through it, and how I think social media is playing a role for a lot of other companies now, not just mine specifically but how people are adapting to using social media as a platform to advertise their business, especially during coronavirus and COVID-19. Because people have to change. Like I said, you'd already kind of changed your role and your job. But for companies that need to go and advertise themselves and do business, you know, when they can't bring customers into their store, you know, when like the malls were shut down and things like how else can you advertise and how else can you get people to, you know, take your products and all that stuff. Yeah. So for us, you know, when when it came down to it in – you know, we had just opened Jerry Chittister MD in January of this year, of 2020. So it only been two, little over two and a half months. We are brand new practice. I felt like you were just <laughs> getting your feet wet yeah. when yeah. you realized you had to shut down. It was scary, you know. And Especially having employees, that's scary. Yeah. You know, we had eight time, eight full-time employees at that time. Um, and we were busy. We were super busy, which was awesome. Such a blessing. But then... We were literally, I mean, I chose to shut down my elective surgery practice. And then later that evening, I had announced it. I actually canceled two surgeries that day. The patient showed up and I said, you know what, for your safety and for what was going on, um, I shut it down. And because I had been, to- been like thinking about it for like a week or so. And I finally said, I'm just going to do it. Because the other surgeons in the where I was operating at, you know, they were wanting to too, but no one had stopped yet. So I just said, I'm done. 
And then that evening, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons came out and made a statement and said that all elective surgery across the country needed to stop. So it was good timing because we had already, you know, we had planned, we had done it. Um, so that just kind of backed up what, what I had felt. But with that being said, you know, it's like I still had patients that were, that needed to be seen. So I had, you know, hand trauma patients, breast cancer patients. So it's essential, we're an essential workplace because I still have patients that had to be seen, mm. but all the elective cosmetic stuff, you know, we had to switch to virtual, but it wasn't really a switch for us. You know, the software that we use, uh, Simplast, we, I do a lot of virtual consults. For all your out-of-state patients. Yeah. So you get a lot of town, even like in the state, but that are kind of far away, further away, um, we had already been doing virtual consults. So my staff was very well versed. We had the app, you know, we had a protocol for how patients would download it. And so it was very smooth transition for us. So that was the first thing I think is, you know, we made the decision one, not to shut down completely. A lot of places did. And even in the, where I work, a lot of them, a lot of the patients or sorry, a lot of the staff and the other offices and stuff, um, they all furloughed. And I, we ended up making the decision not to do that. We did not furlough anyone. Um, everyone kept working and so we tried to find ways for them to maintain their hours and to do things from home and so we worked on a lot of things like putting together you know protocols um putting together handbooks putting together things that we could do so when we came back we'd be ready to go and invest in that time ahead. yeah and so you know whether it was the right decision or not i, I think looking back i think it was um for our staff because i feel like during that time it was wild. So then, you know what? People were actually sitting at home. Everyone's in quarantine. What are they doing? And so I used social media as a platform at that time to try to educate people about corona. I mean, I'm not an infectious disease specialist. I'm not an epidemiologist. But what I tried to do was research and do the information and for my audience to try and teach them or talk about it. And so we had a lot of live sessions. I don't know if every day I'd be doing lives. We'd be talking about it because I think it was almost therapeutic for people to talk about what was going on. Well, you know, it's like I, I would give the analogy um, when you're flying on a plane and you're hitting a lot of turbulence. And like if you're if that makes you nervous, which I'm I get nervous on turbulence. So when I hear the pilot come on and, and kind of talk through the weather patterns and, and what we're experiencing, that actually soothes me. Now, I know he can't predict the you know, how bad the turbulence is going to be like. There's certain things he just doesn't know, but just hearing his tone, hearing him talk about it in general is soothing. So I think for people dealing with corona, mm -hmm. hearing doctors, especially if it's doctors they, you know, somewhat know, even if it's just informal through social media, you know, they may not be experts on infectious disease, but mm -hmm. they have a medical background and they have a better understanding of it than, say, some news anchor or an opinion person in a newspaper. So... I think that was uh, therapeutic to people to hear you talk about. Yeah, it. and I think one I had one follower. She's awesome. She's from uh, Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic, sorry. And uh, she had sent me a YouTube video from the Czech Republic, and they were talking about masks. And this was the beginning when the CDC and the WHO was like, "Don't wear masks. Right. They're not effective." Because I think everyone was focusing on if you're infected, it's not gonna it's not gonna matter, right? You have to have N95. You have to have the pepper, whatever. But this, th this video was talking about just everyone wearing masks to help prevent the transmission. And so I remember I posted that and got some grief for it because they're like, why would we do this? And this is before no one here wore masks in the yeah, U.S. Looking back, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I remember those conversations we had nationally. And, and it's like, I can't understand what we were. I, I mean, me amongst people, like why we didn't think masks would have a positive role in this, you know, and it's like, it is just kind of 
unfathomable, like how we didn't think that through all the way. And, and when countries like Czechoslovakia yeah. had, it's like, yeah, it's strange. It is strange when you look, and then a lot of the, you know the information they cited too was looking at like Korea and Japan and these countries where they always wear masks, you know, because they've gone through things like SARS and all this other stuff, MERS, and so they're used to wearing masks and they had the lower rates too. You know what's crazy is uh, when you've been if you've gone on vacation to some big metropolises, you know, L.A., New York, mm-hmm. Chicago. If you ever see tourists from Asia yep. or Disneyland, Disney World, you've always They're seen always, them wearing masks. Yeah. And you always have walked by like I have. I've walked back like, oh, you silly. Like, why, yeah, why what are you wearing you wear a mask yeah. here? Like, nobody, like, this isn't, you know, this isn't yeah. some kind of disease-infected area. But, you know, there are obviously uh, regional diseases, right? And so, yeah. like, that's, but that their was part of their culture yeah. is to always wear masks. And, yeah. And so that, I imagine, did play a role in... I think it's going to have to become a part of our culture from now on, you know, as much as we don't want to. And there's obviously this whole political con- part of this, which I, we don't want to get into right now. Well, but there's going to be... They say there's going to be more. Yeah. Like, this isn't like this isn't a one-stop shop, no. right? Like, yeah. there's going to be new COVID, like, yeah. uh, new coronaviruses. What's yeah. funny is, remember when this first started, your mom sent you a picture <laughs> of a bottle of Lysol say, hey, this will kill it. Yeah. And... And that was true because there's other versions of coronavirus that Lysol disinfectant yeah. could, uh, you know, could kill. Yeah. Um, and so this isn't going to be the last coronavirus no. we probably ever yeah. experience. And it's there'll gonna, be new ones that come out. It'll up, be you COVID-22, right? Yeah, exactly. or like whatever year it yeah. comes out in. But we have to be prepared for other types of respiratory yeah. issues. Well, I have to tell a funny, funny but not funny story. So my mom called me. This would have been back in January. This is when it was super early, before it even came to Washington. She right. said, or it was around the time of that first cruise ship in Japan. Yeah. Remember when that one got, they like quarantined it. Yeah. And she's called me. She said, Jerry, you guys have a cruise at the end of March. She's like, you need to cancel it. She's like, have you heard about this? It's like, mom. I said, this is going to go two ways. Either one, it's going to be global pandemic and everything's going to shut down. Or two, it's going to go nowhere. There's nothing in between. Right. Well, it obviously went the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Not my the, mom not told the right me so. Option. She was right, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, so we ended up getting because everything got canceled, everything got shut down. Yeah, I mean, it, when you've seen how it was spreading in China, it was like knowing the the commercialization of travel, like it was no way it wasn't going to get out, right? And so it was just a matter of how quickly it got out, and which I think we take for granted. Just looking back before, right before Corona. Like, how easy it was to be like, you know what? I'm going to go to Australia this weekend. I'm going to fly to Europe. It could be last minute. You get, you know, that last minute deal. How easy was yeah. that? Like, I'm just going to go. Yeah, like, it really has shut down. Like, you cannot do that anymore. You can't it's do it. Crazy. And even if you wanted to do it, you put in so much more extra thought. Like, yeah. okay, what are the risks associated? Like, will I be welcome there? You know, like, even going state to state, yeah. you see, like, New York oh, has yeah. its own ban of individual. It's yeah. up to, like, 31 states. It's... You have to now quarantine if you go to New York, Hawaii. They've got control. They don't want you to come in and ruin it for them. Yeah, well, and, and even Hawaii has like a two-week quarantine. If you show up, they make they you quarantine you. for yeah, two Yeah, and they'll be weeks. like, we will do random spot checks and see if you're there and how you're doing all that stuff. I saw some texts about it on TikTok, which yeah. we'll talk about in a minute, TikTok. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, so our business, just going back, uh, looping back. So in March, you know, everything shut down. We were still seeing patients, but I started seeing, and then in April, all of April, no surgery. I did not do any elective surgery. I took call, did a lot of trauma calls still. But in April, for our practice, like I said, a lot of people were sitting at home. We're all quarantined, can't go anywhere. You know what people wanted to do? 
They wanted to have consults. I was so worried that, you know, because we talk about the economy and things, and we still don't know where it's going to go, but it's been, seems fine. People still wanted to have surgery. You know, it's not like I said, you can't have it, or it's not like they decided not to. We all wanted it to happen. We just couldn't because there was this thing that was preventing it. Did you hear from any of your patients, like, during those consults, like, was anybody... uh, more prone to get surgery because they got the like stimulus the extra stimulus money because i think you look at someone like that's in my position where i didn't lose my job but i still got stimulus money like that was uh an extra boon to the economy right because that's money i can now go spend because i haven't lost any and so i imagine there might have been some people who maybe were on the fence of oh do i have enough to get elective surgery Mm -hmm. oh now i got the stimulus and i kept my job like, did you hear any? Type yeah, of I never had a, a patient tell me that specifically. Now, I'm sure that probably happened. Um, you know, out of all the surgeries we had to move in April and then March, um, none of them canceled. So we had to move patients, reschedule. There was one patient that actually did cancel, and then she ended up rebooking <laughs> right when things opened up again. Mm. So out of all the patients, we had quite a few patients we had to move. So whether it was because of the stimulus or whatever, whatever it was, the mentality was they still wanted surgery. This wasn't going to stop them. We just had to do it in a way that was safe for them yeah. and when it was possible. So during April, I saw more consults. We saw a lot of consults in January, February, and even half of March. We had a great- I can't even imagine your schedule like where you're doing a month, nothing of consults. That's like normally you're balancing consults and surgeries. Yeah. And so now you're just backloading all these surgeries to once you were gonna start opening again. Like that's yeah. Crazy. So we I we saw almost twice as many virtual consults as we did in April as we did in March, um, and then a lot of those people booked. And then we had our grand. We just happened to have our grand opening April twenty second. So this was still before we could open. So we kind of took the approach of we're going to do things remotely. And, I, you know, all these patients that we saw virtually, I ended up seeing a lot of them have come back and in person because I'm not going to do surgery on anybody that I haven't seen in person. Um, so that, you know, kind of had to almost double up consults right. with them. But, you know, our grand opening was crazy, too, because we had such a huge response because it was still during Corona times, still is, but we were shut down still at that time. And so we did the online, the virtual grand opening because we were, we kept delaying and finally said, you know what, let's just do one. Let's do something different. Let's do it online. We had a bunch of giveaways at awesome companies that donated some awesome stuff. And we said, let's do this. And we had so many people book. I mean, we're still, I mean, I'm still operating on these patients, you know, we've had so many. And then plus the ones that we've, we've caught up with the ones that we had to move because all those people have been done now. You know, I was operating four or five days a week in May. And even in June, but now we're here July, end of July, and I'm st- we're still busier than ever. And I really feel is that during that time, that trajectory, and we've just kept growing. So how has it been? Because you share facilities with other surgeons, mm-hmm. um, and you guys kind of have to split the availability of the surgery rooms. So it seems like you're now. It, it feel I don't know if you said this already, but it feels like you're operating four time, four days a week. So how has that been to balance your increased demand with the other surgeons? Like, have they seen similar increases? Or, like, where does that extra capacity come from for you to do yeah, more surgery? I, I don't know. To be honest, I don't track how they are, how busy the other surgeons are. Um, but, yeah, they made it work for me, you know, um, four days a week. So now I'm kind of three days because some weeks will be four, some weeks it's two. So it balances out to about, on average, three days a week. Okay. 
but it's a full day. So, you know, where I operate, essentially I can operate for 10 hours of surgery a day. That's kind of the limit. There's a cutoff. So that ends up being around 12 hours a day that we're there. Um, so they're long days, start early and late, but I've, we've filled it every day is full and it's four days a week. So they've been very nice to accommodate us because we've been so busy. Um, there was one time that we had to actually go to another center to operate because they had no capacity. So there was at the very beginning, it was pretty, it was full because mm. you know, there's seven plastic surgeons. So, and they all have very busy practice, very well established. So, um, but they've been very accommodating to help us. That's been good for patients. I don't have to operate on the weekends. You know, I take call on the weekends. So I operate at the hospitals, but, um, but yeah, just trying to balance the cosmetic patients, my insurance cases, and then my on-call stuff. It's a lot. So we're trying to constantly balance that. And we're growing. So now we have nine full-time people. Are you still people. doing like uh, two? How, how many on-call days are you doing per week or per Dude, month? I, so for one of the main trauma centers here, I do at least three a month. And then there's another hospital that I work at that I do probably three to five. So I'm probably anywhere from six to eight call a month still. That's a lot. I thought you were going to cut That's down on the last time I know, we talked about I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. I, I'll be honest. A lot of it is, is I, I do enjoy doing it. I like to serve the community, but you it's only so far that I'm stuff. burning out. Yeah. So quite honestly, I'm, you know, trying to say, okay, what makes sense? Because I don't want to burn out and then, you know, and then I can't do anything. Right. So, but I'm worried about like a second wave of COVID and then not being able to do elective again. So right. how do I, so I've talked to many about it and we're just going to kind of see, am I going to kind of change that in the beginning of the year? Like in January or what? I don't know yet. But yeah, I've seen some now, calls for for a national shutdown. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't. That that's probably won't happen because there's too many um, varying opinions on how yeah. to handle it. But yeah. uh, it does feel like with if you look at the numbers of infections and deaths now versus when we made the decision to shut down, like mm-hmm. it's way worse now. Oh, and yeah. yet we're nobody's still. nobody's seriously considering a shutdown. It's kind of yeah mind-boggling like okay we decided to shut down yeah. here and it was yeah. nowhere near this so yeah. what's it going to take for that next shutdown because yeah. it feels like it is inevitable until there's a vaccine, a vaccine. on the immediate horizon yeah i i th- in my opinion i'm not the expert but to me the only thing at this point because of all the politics involved the only thing that's gonna force a shutdown will be what we saw like in new york where states are so overloaded, like it's going to be individually by, yeah, where the, the hospitals are overloaded, they have no capacity, and we're not going to be able to send physicians back and forth across the country because everyone's going to be overwhelmed. So um, in my opinion, it'll be like Florida will have to shut down essentially because they'll be at capacity. Texas, Arizona, California, you know. Yeah. So that's, why, that's to me when it's going to happen. It's not going to be on a nation, national level. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would be national either, right? especially because there's there's some states are that are actually <laughs> doing pretty well with it. You know, yeah. like relatively speaking. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Utah. You know, we've we've seen some higher ca- number of cases than we have in the past. However, like if you look at our our death rate, we have like one of the lowest death rates of any. Like yeah, we may capita. have a high number of cases, relatively speaking, but like the death rate is like less than 1% of case that of mm-hmm. confirmed cases. So mm-hmm. I don't, it's, int- I'd be one day they're going to do additional studies on this and it'll be interesting to find out like why some places had higher death yeah. rates than others. Um, yeah. So at least we can be thankful for that here in Utah that yeah. the deaths aren't as significant. Yeah. Um, so it's fascinating. I think, you know, we're living in something that we just, 
you know, it's been over a century or something like this has happened in the United States. Um, and it, but it's all new, right? And, and now there's also this whole component of, again, talking about social media, like direct access where everyone has a voice or like we, we think we do. Your, your favorite, Twitter your favorite or, platform is being attacked as a result almost of coronavirus. Like yeah. there, there's, you know, certain people that have linked China to, to the virus, rightly or wrongly, and, and China is in a way tied to TikTok. Yeah. And and so now yeah. it's almost like a tit for tat. Yeah. Um, the government's potentially going to go after TikTok. Yeah. So let's talk about TikTok. You know, this is a it, even since the last time we did. So I've been doing TikTok. It's been around for a few years, but in the United States. Yeah, it was uh, musically before. Yeah. And then last year and it got bit, rebranded yeah. TikTok and and it slowly started yeah. taking off. So we st- remember we were in California last fall and we were doing TikToks. Was it remember? Fall? Yeah. Yeah, October, I think. Yeah, yeah it was last October. And it, I think I started doing it around August, September of last year. Yeah. Um, but then I started getting more into it. Just, I love the dances. The, and I love the. You were so doing much it. Fun. You were doing it like once every couple of days at the beginning of yeah. this year. And now you're doing like three a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I go back and forth. But you're right. For a while, I, I've just gotten so busy now that I just don't have time. But yeah, for a while, I was doing it every day. And people are like, comment on my. Because I like to put it on my Instagram. It's great content. You know, to me, I love TikTok because it's endless content that you can port over to any other social media service, right? So it's just great content. But I have people on Instagram, they'd say, well, today's TikTok Monday. Wait, tomorrow's hey, TikTok Tuesday. Every day is, it seems like every day <laughs> yeah. is TikTok you, day. I, I laugh every time I see that TikTok Wednesday. I, I do like, it intentionally. What do you mean? It's TikTok every day. I, I know. I do it intentionally. I, I, I figured that <laughs> I, when I, I started TikTok to notice TikTok Friday, the pattern, TikTok, I was like, yeah. I, I, it's a joke, yeah. but... But yeah, I mean, it's become an everyday thing. I, I don't try to abuse system, but they're so fun to do for me. Um, you know, a lot of people are, and this is, okay, so this is what I want to talk about. So TikTok, and Mindy always harps on me. She's like, why don't you make your own stuff on there? Because when I first started, I told her I did not want to use that as a platform to talk about plastic surgery because right. there's a lot of teenagers, a lot of kids. Platform. Yeah, it's, it's my fun. outlet platform. Yeah. I didn't want to use it as a way to be like, hey, here's breast implants. And, you know, there's kids, there's people influenced on there. I didn't want to go that route. But the more I do it, and as she's talked about it, there's I think there's ways I can educate still and have it fun and not make it feel like I'm trying to, like, exploit Well, and I know, think, people. Depend, you know, assuming TikTok stays around, that there's no government <laughs> shutdown of yeah. it. Um, and I think especially during these times where things, so many things are shut down and people are reevaluating how they market themselves, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a more defined business opportunity through TikTok, like mm-hmm. for you to use it in more serious manners yeah. if you choose to do that. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll see. I, I, it's still so young. It is. You know, the evolution of evolve. what it might be is to be determined. Well, I mean, even look at Instagram, how it's evolved. You know, I remember the first time I used Instagram, I used have it so you, I could put a filter on a picture so I could post it on Facebook. Have you, you know? noticed, noticed the new version? They moved the shopping bag where the likes button used oh, to be. Oh, I didn't know that. So, like, I you know, even... you had the little heart button where you yeah. go see who liked or who commented. Yeah. They've now moved that to oh. your profile page, and they put the shopping bag button right there <laughs> because they're evolving oh. to know that people are spending a lot of time shopping on Instagram. Interesting. People are advertising their businesses yeah. on Instagram. They've now made it one step more accessible right for the consumer to find yeah. it. So that right there is an evolution yeah. uh, example That's of what huge. TikTok might evolve into. Yeah. I, I think it's going to change. For now, 
again, I, I enjoy doing all the TikToks and all the dance challenges and all that stuff. It's fun. You know, it, it it's kind of weird, though, because now when I go in public, like, and this Utah's small, but I, 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 without a doubt, if I go somewhere, some will come up to me and say, hey, I love your TikToks. Like, it, and I don't even have that many followers on TikTok or Instagram, but they're all here, you know, right. and they all know <laughs> it's very, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's cool. Like, do you I get, try to approach do you get, nice. uh, a lot of negative comments about no. it? Not at all. No. Not to my face. I mean, <laughs> maybe when they walk away. But I'll be like, you know, someone come like, hey, like, me and my friends are just talking about you and your TikTok. You know, I can tell because all of a sudden there'll be like 12 people. They're all friends. I'll start following my Instagram, you know, because I'm a private account, which I wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. Is why I privatized my Instagram. Well, I think it's. But you'll it see shows... when there's clusters of people talking about it because all of a sudden there'll be like all these follows. It's funny. I mean, it's very authentic to your personality. And. And you've made this reference before, like you used to love to dance in high school, you know, break dance and whatnot. And so like this is your creative, emotional outlet. Like you're you're doing serious stuff all day, 10, 12 hours a day, like you were mentioning. So to have a release like this, it's important for any person to have some type of creative release because it keeps your mind stimulated, keeps your mind fresh. Yeah. And so there shouldn't be, you know, any reason to be negative about it. But, yeah. you know, people find ways all the time so yeah and there was a time even a week or so ago where there was some negativity and you know and i i recognize this my sister's done a lot of social media stuff for a while and, and i've talked to her a lot about it because she gets a lot of negativity from you know people once in a while and so i was kind of prepared for that but it, it does it, it when people say things to you and it's not like they're attacking me directly but it's almost like if they're either attacking my work or not my ethics or anything, but just like, oh, this is going off about a case or something I post on my Instagram. It's I take it personally because that's my work, you know, and I, I do my best to have the best results I can. But, you know, so that definitely it, it it's heavy, you know, um, not a lot of people target me on my TikToks. Um, but they're probably like that guy's old, you know, they don't care, you know, but I could see definitely where a lot of people be like, what is he that boomer the doing? Boomer doing the TikTok. He looks so like not flexible. And I definitely am feeling that lately. But um no, it's, it's been good. I think for the most part, you know, I try to be very positive. And that's one thing I get a lot of messages from people. They're like, thank you for posting this today. It it was very positive for me. So that's that's what I try to be is positive. Make someone smile. Yeah. And it Make can be like. Make someone smile for even yeah, if it's five seconds. Five seconds. Any smile. One smile a day is better than no smiles a day. Exactly. And I've had people message me say, you know, I had a rough day. Thank you for that TikTok. You know, it's like it was just a TikTok in my mind. But to them, like. Like I said, if it made them smile or it kind of turned their attention away, it gives you that, you know, sense of like, okay, I can do this. There's a sense of optimism. I'm not alone, you know. Well, and sometimes, especially on social media, like followers, like people who are, you know, whether it be me following a celebrity or, or someone else following a celebrity, like there's almost sometimes people get this insane expectation that everything that person does they have to like and if that person does something that they don't like they feel they feel like it's their right to demand it be different or whatever and it's yeah. like you're always welcome to unfollow <laughs> you yeah, know what i mean yeah. you don't you don't have to like everything i do i like everything i'm doing yeah and you're more than welcome to come yeah. along for the journey i mean there's definitely things that i've posted that are controversial you know when the whole the black lives matter <laughs> and the <laughs> ron knows about this yeah. that post um 
you know, I mean, these are my true opinions, you know, and I, I'm not trying to politicize what I do. I try to keep my page very much more, I mean, more business. Like, it's my practice, it's, but I also want to reflect who I am through it. And I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to it, because you see my personality. But they also is, don't understand sometimes my background, you know. And your page is like a <laughs> mullet. It's it's party in the front, or it's party in party the back, in, business in the business front. Business in the front, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good-looking mullet. Um, but, yeah, so... I try not to be political on there or religious or anything. You know, I try to keep it, again, positive and clean. But, you know, my personality stuff is going to come through. That's yeah. part of it, you know. And like you said, yeah, I can't please everyone. That's not my goal. I want people to be happy. But you're right. Like, you know, part of the reason I went private with my account, people have asked me quite a bit, you know, even other plastic surgeons, like, why did you turn your account from public to private? Because before when I was public, you know, after I had 10,000 followers back in March or whenever that was, you know, I could do swipe ups, I can get yeah. analytics, I can do all these, you know, messages and things, but made the decision and it was a business decision for the for the page for more growth to go private. But also because I, for my content, I wanted it to really reflect me and to be myself. And yeah, if you don't want to follow me, you don't have to follow me. And my stuff's not going to be out there on the discover page for yeah. some people. Um, you know, and I and also part of it is is it's a it's a strategy to get verified too. So some of the plastic surgery content, um, you know, if it pops up on a discovery page and if it's like breasts, even if they're covered, I, I think, you know, some people actually might get offended and stuff. And so Instagram sees that and it's not favorable sometimes is yeah. my understanding. So if I can keep that private, it, it shows that I'm trying to be on their good graces and, you know, eventually be verified, which is the blue check. So that's another strategic goal. Um, cause you know, I think we're building a brand. It's Dr. Chitty now. So that's the other thing I did. When I went private, I changed from Jerry Chittis or MD to Dr. Chitty. Kind of like Chit Chow Chitty, you yeah. know, this is kind of where this came from. It's a very catchy. I mean, that's why we, that's why we came up with that name anyways in the beginning is it's, it's almost, it's an informal way. It's, it's uh, easier to remember. It's easier to spell. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Nobody misspells no, Chitty. Yeah, I had another I weird mean, spelling the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it's got a nice catch to it. So I, I was I thought it was cool yeah. that you, you decided so, to go to yeah, Dr. Yeah, like the website is now drchitty.com, our brand new website, um, Instagram, my TikTok handle, everything, Facebook, it's all just Dr. Chitty. And it's easy, you know. Um, but that was kind of the brand. And so we're trying to create this, you know, this brand. I mean, it's kind of weird. It's like you think there's a human and there's a brand and how it's the same thing. It's kind of, you know, for a private solo practice, like that's what it is, you know. Um, if I had five other plastic surgeons with me, well, it wouldn't be Dr. Shady. It would be some other name. That's the brand. But so this now, is my brand. So now that you have uh, a private account, because before you can just have a thousand people a day start mm -hmm. following you. Mm -hmm. Now you have to go in and hit mm -hmm. accept every follower request, right? So is I deny some people sometimes. Really? What, what I'll look you, at their account. And yeah. If, yeah, if they're like not from the U.S., I mean, it looks no like offense, a spam but, but yeah, a lot of the ones from outside the U.S. are spam. Right. So I'll look at it. If they don't have any posts, if they follow like weird people, I will deny it. You know I'll what's block funny it. is like even so even my account, my personal account, which I only have like eighty people I keep in touch with. But after we first started doing the podcast, and I started linking my account to the chitchat account and whatnot, and you were still public. I found some of those like spam accounts started following me and I just went in there and just removed them because yeah. like, yeah, I don't need that. Yeah. So to me, the strategy, again, along the lines of going private was it's all about engagement. So if you Instagram, 
the algorithms and things, at least as of right now, this could change tomorrow, but they favor engagement. And this is, this is one of the big things of Instagram is they look at your percentage of how many followers you have. And then when you make a post or a story, how many of your followers are engaging, meaning how many are commenting, how many are liking, how many are doing the surveys, the yes, no questions, whatever. If you have more engagement, you bump up. So, you know, my understanding is if I put a post up on Instagram out of a thousand followers, you know, only 10 followers, like 10% of your followers will actually see that post when it first comes up. And I think over time, it will, a couple more will see it. But a lot of times that will go into the ether for 900 of my followers, 990 of my followers. They'll never see that post. But if you have higher engagement, if you're on the, again, the good graces of Instagram, they will show it to 20 people, you know, or 200 people, whatever right. it is. So you can bump it up. And then there's more likelihood of engagement. And it kind of builds on itself, you know. So if you even look at a lot of my posts more recently, even the last month or so, and there's a, a guy out of L.A. that I work with awesome Karash he's an awesome guy so he helps a lot with the engage the viral posts you know and uh, he's really helped the engagement I think that's also helped in turn just my normal posts like if you look at normal posts on my likes I get like you know thousand likes twelve hundred likes or I used to get like maybe two three hundred is he the one who's helping you with the um, cartoons the cartoon, yeah stuff? so he does all the same stuff those cartoons are I love those cartoons Dude, he does those, such a like good job the the real is like yeah the look it looks genuinely like if you were in a cartoon that's yeah, what you would look so like. cool I know, yeah, the ones are like my office and stuff, or like Spider Man sitting there, or any of those, or even oh, you're talking about the real cartoons, like, like the real cartoons. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. dude, yeah, he has like a whole team of these like artists. It's amazing. Yeah, um, nice. I, and I like that because it really is creating again a brand. It's creating a personality and a brand. I'm like, yeah, it's a cartoon, but it's me. It's me. It's weird. You know, the one, the one of my kids was hilarious. You know, <laughs> with Tayden and Miley even and Mindy. So um, I love that. But that's really, I think it it just adds more content. You know, it just builds more content around this. You know, this Dr. Chidi. Diversifies your content. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not like, like if you notice, I used to, po I, I didn't know what to post before. So I'd post a lot of like, you know, um, quotes. Like, yeah. and I love quotes, sure. But honestly, like everyone sees a lot of quotes. Lot of quotes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very common. So very rarely will I do any quotes anymore. I like quotes, but I'll put them on my stories or something, you know, on not on my wall. So the wall, I just try to keep like very clean. But also, like, uh, reviews from patients. You know, all those are on my website. So I feel like for me, my Instagram doesn't need to be a bunch of patient reviews. Right. They can go to my – it's all on my website. They're all on there. You know, that's a great place to see that. But I really want to save that for, like, befores and afters, TikToks, which are fun, you know, I think one educational of my, stuff. One of my favorite things is when you uh, – like, when one of your patients tags you in a story and yeah. then you repost the story. Like, yeah. I like seeing those that's because cool. – when you see the photos, the before and afters, right? You're for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. You're you're not showing who they are, and yeah. even if you were, you don't know who they are. But yeah. when you get to hear them talk in, in a yeah. story they've posted, like it provides a whole new perspective yeah. on how you've helped them accomplish whatever yeah. they were trying to do. Which is it's interesting. As of late, there's been a ton. I don't know if you noticed, like even the last week. I mean, I tons of patients and you know i love that like you said because it makes it more real for people yep. and people that are considering surgery it's like i can relate to that i can't relate to i mean i see the results great but who is that like you said there's no face there there's no name no personality like you said and it's like uh, but when they hear somebody else it's almost like a testimonial you know someone they can talk to and they can dm them a lot of times like i have patients that will direct message those patients because their name's on it you know and then they get their questions answered and so that's been awesome, and that's been just taken off lately too, you know. 
Um, and so all these things have been coming together, I think, in terms of social media. And I, um, you know, as of late, have been doing a lot of mentoring and helping other plastic surgeons kind of navigate this, you know. And I actually, um, I, mean, I can tell it on here. So I started another company with a friend. He's in Italy. Do you know Tyler Mitchell? Do you yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So Tyler Mitchell, he's a lieutenant colonel in the, in the Army. Um, so he's kind of um, pretty big wig leadership in Italy right now. But he started his own company. Um, and a lot of it has to do with creating culture and leadership skills for new businesses and things. And so, when again, this is one thing that we tried to develop when I was in Corona times because couldn't do all this. So I started meeting with him. We'd, we would Zoom conference because Zoom calls were free. <laughs> and we still do it. But I started meeting with him every week, and we would talk about strategies for my business and how I could grow as a leader, but also how to organize my business, how to organize my practice. And I'd always told him I wanted to create a team of Avengers, you know, because of my last experience with the last practice, I really wanted to do something where I could help other brand new plastic surgeons and people learn to navigate kind of what I went through and maybe not have to go through all that, right. you know. So I told him I wanted to, I told uh, Tyler, I was like, I want a team of Avengers, but I wanted to, you know, to have like a plastic surgeon on board. I want someone who does this like leadership skills. I want someone who does, you know, social media skills, even have attorneys on board, you know, people like this core group of consultants, essentially, that we could help out brand new surgeons coming into practice or surgeons transitioning from like academics to private, you know, because that's right. another whole story, too. And so we started a company. It's called Sherpa MD. So Sherpa is like, you know, like a Sherpa who helps people climb a, to a mountain. Mount like a horrible. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like the background of that is to help new plastic surgeons and other professionals, too, to navigate this thing. So we're piloting this right now with a couple of plastic surgeons. And it's going, it seems to be going very well, you know. But it's something like how do you quantify that? So it's kind of more help building structure and getting them ready with things like social media and stuff. And so... I'll be advertising that more as, as we develop that. But that's another exciting thing I've been doing. I don't know when I have time to do this. Um, and are those um, plastic surgeons you're piloting that with, are those like surgeons who've just gotten out of residency yeah. or are they established surgeons? Or um, The ones that we're piloting right now are, yeah, newer, young surgeons, you know. And I think, because I think I want to help them with is their boards, like for the board, American board. I kind of prepare for that since I went through that recently and just some tips and, you know, things like that. But to navigate all of that, you know, get starting on practice. How to avoid the wrong business relations. Yeah, it's really important, to, I think. And that's I think that's where Tyler is really good at this, you know, is establishing a culture, kind of helping you figure out what's the culture that you want to create in your practice, you know, and what is it that you're looking for? Because if you can't find that with another person, do not go there, you know. And that's something I never had the foresight or even thought about, to be right. honest. You know, I was just like, I was excited. And, but so I think that's something we're, we're helping these um, new plastic surgeons with, um, which is really exciting. And it's, it seems to be going well. Um, eventually, we'd like to grow and add more, again, more, more Avengers to the team and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it seems to be going pretty well. Awesome. You know, for me, I, I feel like plastic surgery, it's, it really is like I love what I do, but it really is just like one component of what I want to do as like a a professional, you know, not just operate all day. I love it. But there's other aspects I really want to do. Like I want to help educate people about social media, how it works with a practice again, like how to build a practice. You know, I'm still learning it too, but I think in doing this, I'm learning from other people almost as much as they're learning from me. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to uh, do some hand surgery, I got that 
that Nigel. I got a cyst? Oh, yeah. You remember you had said that? Oh, yeah, if man. If you want to cut that open, just yeah, pop it, it out. Seven minutes. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, you need that gone. Now, my rupture on its own. That's what happened to mine. Oh, it's yeah. gone, yeah. Why well, I, I sucked it out one time. Well, I aspirated it one time. You know, hit it with something one time. Is it just like a? <laughs> it's just like a little white ball under there. You think? Um, it's it synovial right? fluid. So it's almost like a jelly-looking fluid. Mm. You know, it comes from your wrist joints. So when you. So what's funny is capsules. like you had noticed it like I don't know like six months ago or something. Was and it at, small back then? And at that time, well, it was swollen that day, yeah. but at that time it would fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And now for the last yes. I don't know few months, it's been it stays this size. Is it painful? No, it doesn't bother me. But I just think about every time I see it, I'm like, oh, Jerry should cut that out. <laughs> yeah, we can totally do that. Put that on. A lot of put people that on the get page. ganglion cysts. They you don't see anything. There's like oh, I have pain in my wrist. So I'll just grab the wrist. I'll just push in that one exact spot because it's, it's always between the SL, mm-hmm. mostly it's between the scaphoid lunate. I push there like, ah! I'm like, oh, you're going to cyst. I'm like, it's not grown yet. It's painful because it's actually trying to grow. And right. That's why that pressure on that capsule is painful. But once it kind of relieves that pressure, it's like a zit. You know, you relieve that pressure. It's like, ah! But then you see the big bubble. So a lot of times the big ganglion cyst, we call it, is not painful, but it can be. Like, I couldn't even do push-ups when I had mine. It was so painful. Oh, yeah, mine's not like that. So. Yeah. Do you uh, do you feel like you need to uh, like? Do you ever think about or feel pressure? All right, sorry, and resume. <laughs> do you ever, uh, like, do you try to um, diversify the type? Like, because it feels like people are starting to come to you specifically for mommy makeovers and breast mm-hmm. augmentations, but, and you, you've tried to make it known, like, you do all plastic surgery, and yeah. you've specialized in hand surgery. Um, do you worry that, like, you're going to get to the point where, like, you're only like the midsection guy, you know, cause, um, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen you post uh, anything specific, like, I don't know, Face, rhinoplasty yeah. or anything like that. I used to do a lot of lip injections, um, back at the old place. Um, but is that something that you're conscious of, of like, I need to maybe diversify on my wall yeah. of, of what I'm doing. So people don't think I, I only do this. Cause maybe someone might think of you as only like mommy makeover breast yeah. dog and they're going to go to somebody else for a rhinoplasty like yeah. what's your kind of process yeah, so right? i i've told people you know if you like my breast augmentations you'll love my rhinoplasties and i have done some here i'm not currently advertising them for other reasons um but soon okay. you will see more you'll see them on my wall nice but yeah so i do them and i so i will you know if someone wants to see it and come off as i'm happy to show them photos but i'm not advertising the face head and neck stuff but i do it all i'm trained to do it yeah. all and i do it very well so you, just don't, you know, is that, but that's you're right. I mean, that's like the problem I'm not with it on social there. media, yeah, right? Yeah. Is like what you put on social media sure. becomes your image. Yeah. And obviously, I know why you, you haven't done that to this point. But yeah. um, I was just curious if that was something you thought about recently. Or yeah. No, it's good. And I got I get people email all the time about you know, rhinoplasties and things, and I'll sh- I'll, you know, I'll share photos and things with them. So. But, you know, and then same with lip injections and injections in general. You know, there's just, and you know, one thing you realize. that just can't be shown. Yeah, yeah there's just a lot of politics that goes on in the back that, you know, I'm, I'm constantly navigating that no one knows about. 
Yeah. Um, but you know, someday there will be an opportunity where I can advertise everything that I do and it won't matter. So, you know, I kind of had a two year plan to come into this after leaving the last place and everything for that plan is ahead of schedule, which is awesome. It's been a big blessing. We just had, you know, awesome patience and just this overwhelming response. I mean, even like though I'm only advertising, like you said, the body and the breasts and the hand stuff, I mean, you know, we're booked until like almost December now and it's July and I'm fully booked three to four days a week surgery. I can't fit anybody else. Right. You know, and like I can't even like I'm doing emergency surgeries on like in the evenings or super early in the morning to fit them in when it's like hand stuff because I do not have time. Right. And even consults like people message me on Instagram. I probably get, you know, five to ten a day. And I'm like, look, I, I can't get you until November, almost That's December crazy. now. And it's July. Five to six and months this is, out. Yeah, it's like double book, you know, and I, I, the thing is, I don't want to dilute people's experiences, you know, and I've always said I don't want quantity over quality. I want quality right. first. So I'm sorry if you have to wait. I'm worth the wait, but, you know, and I get it. And some people are like, look, my timing, I can't. Like, I've had people come in, and they said, you know, I ended up going to another surgeon because I couldn't get in to see you, but here's my friend. And they refer their friend because their friend yeah. has time, and they couldn't, and they're like, they you know, and I'm, I'm happy for them. They got it done. And there's a lot of really good surgeons here, but you know, people will still refer their friends to me. And you know, I, yeah, I do my best. Six months. Like that's, that's a long time for anything, you know, regardless of what, like I'm a very impatient person. (laughs) So like, I don't, I I don't like, I don't like shopping online because I like to have the thing I just paid for right now, you know? So like, I'm like the the most anti Amazon person ever. Because I don't want to wait two days yeah, for it. Like, I want to go to the store and get it right now. So, like, if I had to wait six months for something I really wanted, like, I'd I mean, be miserable. This, this is what I've had. I've had literally people message me and say, I really wanted to come to you. I ended up having to go somewhere else. I'm already planning my revision surgery with you. It's like, that sucks. I, I would, I, so what I say is, look, like, these things are worth waiting for. Right. Six months. Yeah, you're right. But Both if you're already planning to have a revision, like, come on. Uh, the the sorry the money you spend yeah. and the physical yeah, I mean it's a process you go through yeah. it, you would think you'd want to like if you can for you know put the yeah just wait for it but yeah you had a uh, one la- you had one story you shared where she had like the lady had done it like I don't know a bunch of different times yeah. and it just kept getting bad and bad and and then she finally was able to like she didn't think her husband was going to pay for it yeah and, she shared that on and uh yeah that was a cool story yeah that was that was actually um i posted that on my wall like i don't really post a lot of reviews but that one i, I posted that more for personal reasons at that point cuz that was actually during one of the weeks that was it was really rough like i was getting a lot of just weird dms and comments on stuff and it was the one week i had done the patient where i did the vertical incision and yeah, the horizontal the floor de lee and uh, I got so much grief for that. And I, for one, I'm like, it's funny that people haven't seen this, but yeah, you know, like, why would you before. do that? Yeah. But it's kind of the first one I posted. And so that all happened. And I was like, man, like, why are these people just hating? And then that patient messaged me. And it was like, it was A awesome. breath of fresh air. Yeah, a breath of fresh air. You know, like, and honestly, it's my, I don't get the grief from my patients. It's other people that are kind of trolling that follow right. along. They're not my patients. My patients, they're amazing. They're awesome people. And a lot of my, most of my followers are. So it's, it was just weird to me. And I think part of this is too, like I said, I try to screen who follows me, but a lot of times, like, I don't know. And 
some people like they're just their whole intent is to troll, you know, which yeah. is sad. And some people I think are genuinely curious, like why would you do that? And that's fine. Like I don't have any. I hadn't um, mm. anything against I, that. I know because it wasn't one of the issues. Like why would someone want that? Like they're gonna have a scar. Like yeah. wasn't that kind of their thought? Like aren't they gonna have a scar there? And like why yeah. would someone want a scar yeah. up there? Why would someone scar there? And and I hadn't really thought about it that way before I read that. But at the same time, like I think you made the point that like the alternative for that person mm-hmm. um, is worse, right? Yeah. Like, like, like they'd rather live mm-hmm. with the scar yeah. and everything else they feel really good about yeah. than the whatever the alternative yeah. that is. I, it's, it, I don't know. It's interesting to me because the first thing people always ask is like, what does the scar look like? And I get it. If you're standing in the mirror and you're naked, like, yeah, you're going to look at a scar. You want it to look good. There are certain things of a scar I can't control. I do my best. I do a very nice closure and they look great. But, to me, it's like people forget that what they had before the scar. You know, the scar is a, should be a reminder of what you had. Right. You know, the really loose skin and where you came from, the infections and all that stuff, whatever it was. But I think in my mind, it's kind of good. If people forget where they came from because they're so used to what they have now, they're happy with it, that they focus on the scar, that's fine to me. Because scars you can treat, too, if, if, if it really bothers you. There's ways you can lighten scars and things. And the good thing about scars is they lighten over time. Yeah, I have one. Time makes them so much lighter. I have one thinner. from a car wreck about t- almost 20 years ago, like 18 mm-hmm. years ago. And I've noticed, like, it used to be really visible in the back yeah. of my leg. And I can, some, I have to look really closely yeah, now to find exactly. it. Exactly. That's the scar. Your body and it is was, always it was like, modeling. It was like that thick and it was like that long. Mm-hmm. It was really visible. And now it's gone. Yeah. So, you know, in 20 years. Yeah. But to me, the cycle, and th- this patient specifically that I, and I keep showing her follow ups because she's looking amazing. You know, and so at the time, people were like, oh. And so for me, it's more like I have a vision of what it's going to look like term. in two years, in six months, two years, right. ten years. You know, a lot of people, that's the problem with Instagram, I think, and social media is people are looking now. What does it look like right now? And that's what it's going to be like forever in their minds, you know, where really that's not the case. But for this patient, psychologically, I mean, she told me, she wrote me a message as well. And she's like, it has just completely changed me like i am so happy you know like she's like i've done the work and i did things i had to do but i could not do anything about this like it was there the skin the scar all this hanging tissue was there she couldn't do anything about it you know she needed somebody else's help at that point there's not like any exercise that's gonna no help that right you can't exercise skin off you know the more you exercise, the more skin's going to hang. Right. You know, skin is not something that goes away. You burn fat, but your fat cells are still there. You know, you sh- you're shrinking them down to nothing. You could always gain weight back, you know. But I tell patients a lot of times, you know, there's something called lipodystrophy or dystrophic fat. So it's fat that's not acting normal. So, you know, or stubborn fat. It's almost like right? dead fat. Yeah. So this is what I tell patients. I compare it to, you know, I say, look at your, your tummy. Look at the stretch marks. Those stretch marks are never going to go away, right? You stretched out. They're stretched forever. It's a scar. I'm like, the fat, the dystrophic fat is the same thing. It's scarred fat. It's never going away. You're going to work out till whatever. Your body fat can be whatever percentage. It will always be there because it's scar tissue, essentially, and it has Mm. to be removed. It cannot just go away on its own. And I think that's a, once I tell patients that, they're like, oh, like, I didn't think of that. Like, I worked so hard. Why is it there, you know? And same with the diastate, like the separation of your muscles, like, you know, I had a patient the other day, seven centimeters. Like, you can strengthen your muscles all you want. It is not going to narrow that gap. You can have a, do anything. a six-pack under yeah. a big flab, yeah. and you don't realize it because all yeah. you see is the flab because yeah. of the diastasis. Yeah. yeah. So, 
so that that message you mentioned that about that patient that was again really refreshing for me at that time. That's why I posted it because of everything that's been going on. So, you know, I, I try to again remain very positive online. I try to remain in positive in person, but it's not easy. It's it's yeah. a daily. Well, and it's it's honestly, thing. I mean, as sad as it is, it's only gonna be more difficult as you gain more followers because. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about how hard it is now. You have 18,000 followers. Like, mm-hmm. imagine what it's like for oh, Kylie Jenner, uh, who has imagine. 140 oh. million, right? Like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it doesn't ever seem to affect her, but you have to yeah, just imagine the type of negativity she gets yeah. for 140 million people. Oh, for people. sure. And it's just people feel this need to yeah. to tout their two cents on everything. Yeah. It's, uh, it's sad that people feel the need to put others down to uplift themselves or to just almost feel like... If I can make someone else miserable, like, I'm gonna be miserable. They feel like it's them. their job, right? They feel yeah. like they're they're social media warriors, and mm-hmm. they need to contribute to telling somebody something's wrong or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like it's okay to disagree on something and yeah. not not believe, you know, not like something. But yeah. what does it accomplish to perpetuate negativity? Yeah. So that's why, again, I try to be very positive and, you know, I'm never, like, I would never, and I, and the reason I say this is you think, well, aren't all plastic surgeons, are they all that way? Well, I'll be honest, no. Like, I, I follow a lot of accounts where some of their posts are very much, like, almost trying to put others down and to make themselves look better than the others, you know? Like, to me, like, there's no reason for that. Like, your work should speak for itself, you know? And the way you portray yourself, you speak for yourself. You know, it's like, this is very different than anything before, right? Before it's like, look in the yellow pages, look at the billboards. That's how I find my plastic surgeon, right? Go see 10 different ones. Well, guess what? Nowadays, you can watch their Instagram. Essentially, you can like follow them for months. I have a lot of people say, I've been following you for months. And they finally message me, you know, because they kind of feel comfortable. Like, okay, I kind of know this guy. At least I know how he is. I've seen his work. I see his work ethic, you know, and then they feel comfortable approaching me, you know? Um, We good? Yeah, I was just checking the time. Okay, yeah. But anyway, so I, I, that's I kind of think where it's gone now. So I think, you know, Instagram has really made it so you can show who you are. And so the people that I help out with with the Instagram on their new accounts and stuff is to say, look, be educational, be yourself, be positive, you know. And that's that's will speak more than anything else you can do, in my opinion. So. Well, you're almost the 20, and it's going to be the next celebration. Yeah, 20K, that'll be awesome, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, like, my goal isn't to have like five million followers. Right. I mean, that'd be cool. Sure. But my goal is to reach people who are in need of, you know, something, whether it's plastic surgery or education or just some good old TikToks and optimism. You know, that's kind of my goal for my account. I mean, and I think you've mentioned this, like your account acts as your your marketing, right? So you're not having to spend money out on traditional marketing. Um, you're essentially getting it for free you know, online and you're able to put that money to other use within your business. And yeah, I do try to, I do have other outlets that I use cause I don't want to just put all my eggs in one basket. So there are other ways that I advertise, you know, whether it's through Google or through my website, you know, through the SEO of my website or other other third party websites, but you're right. The bulk of what I do and the time I invest is in Instagram. I mean, Instagram, you can also do paid ads. I tried doing that for a while. It just didn't seem to work to be honest. So I just don't do it now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the main thing. But that could change. I mean, tomorrow Instagram gets shut down. They may shut my account down. Like, yeah, who knows, you know? Yeah. And so I always want to have a backup. Um, well, real quick then, last thing on that topic, 
if they shut down TikTok, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, the the good thing is that they shut down TikTok, something else will take its place. So Always. there is another there is another one called Byte. Yeah. That's supposed to be like I heard of the Byte. more I had Byte. It's supposed to be more reflective of um what was the Vine? Vine, yeah. 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 But people are like, "Oh, TikTok shutting down, go get Byte." <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, there's so many people, I mean, I don't make money off TikTok directly. You know, a lot of people know. that monetize it, you know. I'm surprised the people that do make money off it. But anyways, yeah. that's another story. So, but if it shut down, I mean, even Instagram is something making something called Reels. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I heard. So other companies are realizing the success of TikTok. I think TikTok is so successful because it allows you to share to other platforms so readily, so easily. And it gives you access immediately to these sound bites and these music things and people instantly that you can just turn around and do, yeah. you know. And that may evolve, too. I don't know. But that's kind of where it sits right now. Um, but, yeah, for now, I enjoy it. It's fun. And, I, you know, I love doing the transitions. I like doing the even the to, harder, like, edits. I, just, I enjoy a, challenging myself. You need to do find a cool one to do with all your Jordans. It would be uh, yeah. cool to do uh, TikTok with all your Jordans. <laughs> I did only, one. You're up to, like, 25 pairs or something, I don't right? know. <laughs> I love Jordans. I, Every time I see a new – I because I haven't seen – I've seen you, like, once in the last five months <laughs> – and oh, I every time I see a video <laughs> or something, I'm like, hey, he got another pair of Jordans. <laughs> I love them. Um, yeah, I did do one, and I got so much grief on TikTok because I was they oh you're increasing your Jordans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The purest. Like, why why do you buy a shoe if you're gonna pay I'm you're sorry. gonna pay two hundred fifty dollars yeah. for a shoe? I'm not gonna let it sit and there. you're gonna let it sit in your I'm closet. Sorry, like, that's a me. waste of money. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm wearing yeah. it. I'm wearing it. I They're get Jordans. wanting I love to, them. But. I get wanting to keep them as clean and, yes, and, and you know, sure. when you're not wearing them, stuff them so that you yep. don't get a crease. As soon yep. as you're done wearing them, clean them up. Sure. But like to just let them sit in the closet, that's just stupid. Yeah. What's the point? It's a waste. I would love to get the Air Dior's, but they're like twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, I heard man. you talking about that the yeah, other day. Don't gonna... get them, dude. They're stupid. Oh, I like, know. I'm like, not paying. They don't that even much. look good. I'll tell you, they don't even look good. If I could have got them for maybe two thousand. No. That's no. the price, yeah. But that's never going to happen because they're not going to be released ever. I know that's not going to happen, but that's just a bad <laughs> mindset that thinking a shoe is worth $2,000. No shoe is worth $2,000, not even some red-bottom Louis Vuitton <laughs> that my wife wants, okay? Those might be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's what they're going to charge, but they're not worth it. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, you know what? It's worth what people some, are willing to pay for it. Some poor little kid in a, a poor country made those for $2. That's true. That's what it comes down to. The insane. Yeah. So, well, cool. But listen, you want to spend a couple hundred? All right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Don't spend two thousand dollars on any <laughs> shoe. I don't care if Kanye yeah, signed it. I, <laughs> I don't know if I ever will. To okay. be honest, I don't think I'll ever get to that point. Said, but, instead, take me on a two thousand dollar vacation. Dude, okay? let's do it. Yeah, when we can actually get a vaccine and get <laughs> out of the state. Two thousand twenty-two. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, this is Chit Chat with Chitty. I'm Jerry Chittister, MD. I'm a, plastic, a board certified plastic surgeon in, in Draper, Utah, which is just south of Salt Lake City. This is my good friend, my colleague, my producer of this show, Ron Nichols. He's Nichols Sodes on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna be posting this on all again. So YouTube, our account is. It's gonna it, be YouTube, but I, I think going forward, because uh, you know the, the, your Instagram account has has gotten so much more, I'm gonna try to make it a way that we can have it an IGTV so cool. that it gets Who more views. Because that'd be cool. We wanted to do YouTube initially because it's more prone for this type yeah. of platform. 
Um, but I think we do want more people to get exposed to it. So we're going to try to figure yeah. out how to make cool. it an IGTV. And we'll throw it up on my website. We'll still on YouTube. Podcasts, obviously, on iTunes. You can access it. You can get it on Spotify. And then it's Anchor. Anchor, yeah. Anchor. I so, mean, pretty much Spotify or iTunes podcasts yeah. are going to cover 99% yeah, of anybody totally. that listens to the Either podcast. Either Android or your Apple iPhone. So, well, thanks you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we are probably not doing this on a weekly basis, but given both of our schedules, probably mainly my schedule right now, but Ron's also very busy. He's been going all over the country, going to the different national parks. So he's going to post a video Wearing masks when I go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't want to get COVID from Mount Rushmore, <laughs> from the president's. Anyway, well, thank you so much, you guys. Have an awesome day. Thanks. Bye.